0: Hi, everyone. I'm David Green. Welcome to episode one of the 10th series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. When I was in Singapore a couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of visiting Grab, one of Southeast Asia's largest and most innovative technology companies, and spending time with Head of People Operations, Chin In Ong, and some of her talented team. With a background in sales and marketing, a psychology degree, and a passion for using technology and analytics to drive better outcomes for the business and its workforce, Chin Yin is the epitome of the chief peep officer as a catalyst for growth. Chin Yin combines her role as head of people with running the technology solutions team, which as you'll hear capitalizes on the technology Grab has developed for its customers to enhance the work experience for Grabbers, which is Grab's name for its employees. I know you will enjoy listening to some of the innovations that Chin Yin and her team are driving at the tech firm. In our conversation, Chin Yin and I discuss how to keep employees engaged and connected during the crisis. We talk about examples of how people data is driving better business and employee outcomes at Grab. And we look at how to infuse HR professionals with the skills required to be more data-driven and achieve the optimal combination of head, heart and gut. We look at the rise of micro-learning and the impact on skills, and we also look at why the 2020s are set to be the golden age for HR. This episode is a must-listen for anyone interested or involved in employee experience, people analytics, HR technology, and business outcome-driven HR. So that's business leaders, CHROs, and anyone in a people analytics, workforce planning, recruiting, or HR business partner role. Before we get started, a brief word from our sponsor for series 10 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Panelit bridges the people data gap, enabling real-time uniform access to relevant people data, reports, and insights for CXOs, HR, and business managers. People data, including employee interactions and connections, is combined with business data, catalyzing new insights and intelligence. Predictive analytics moves the business from reactive to proactive, identifying correlations and points of intervention. The people-enhanced data movement empowers businesses to leapfrog to data-driven decision-making, eliminating bias and improving engagement, sales effectiveness, productivity, and as a result, business performance. Headquartered in Singapore, the company has a global footprint of clients as well as a diverse team and cultural perspective. You can find out more by visiting panelit.com. That's P A N A L Y T.com. Today I'm delighted to welcome Chin Yin Ong, Head of People at Grab to the Digital HR Leaders podcast series. Welcome to the show, Chin-Yin. Please, can you provide listeners with a brief introduction to your background and role at Grab?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm the head of people at Grab. I run both the people operations team, which is typically known as the HR team, and also the Grabber technology solutions team, which is our IT team. And both of these teams together try to build a productive, Positive and personalized experience uh, for everybody at Grab to thrive. On a personal note, I have a background in psychology and philosophy. I've spent, you know, two decades across roles in sales, marketing, but most of my time has been spent on the people agenda. I've covered a whole range of different industries and also regions from Asia to Middle East and Africa, which really have added a lot to my perspective. So, just in case people who are listening to the podcast don't know grab well we are based out of Southeast Asia and headquartered in Singapore and grab was founded in 2012 as my taxi which is actually you know initially a solution to the inefficient and unsafe taxi system in Malaysia women at that time could not travel safely and passengers were always complaining that they were charged unscrupulously. By drivers who refuse to use the meter. Fast forward about eight years, we are now Southeast Asia's leading super app that provides everyday services such as ride-hailing, food package, grocery delivery, mobile payments, and financial services to the millions of Southeast Asians here. Our vision continues to stay true, which is to drive Southeast Asia forward by elevating the quality of life for everyone. A little bit about, you know, how do we see ourselves operationalizing that? We would like to believe that the things that we do are powered by the heart and driven by technology. So it means that we take on some of the more difficult problems affecting the region, such as excess inequality, outdated infrastructure and income disparity, and seek to alleviate or fix these through the use of our ever-improving technology. So our end goal really is to unlock the potential of this region by providing everyday services that matter most to our users.
0: And interesting, the way that you're combining the role of, of, of HR and IT, is that, is that is that technology aimed at Grabbers themselves, i.e. your employees? So you're thinking already yes, that is. the technology element is really important from a, from a kind of HR or people operations perspective.
1: Correct, so basically trying to put the human into the solutioning. When we think about whether it's enterprise security, whether it's the kind of apps that we introduce within Grab, or maybe to think about process systems and automation
0: okay we know we're going to explore a bit more about technology and personalization i think a little bit later so i look forward to that i was in singapore i think it was two years ago now it's gone really fast and i know we met then and i was very impressed with the way that culture at grab and the the energy around amongst all the people that i met there i know grab have been growing very very fast in the last few years I'm just wondering what the impact of the crisis has been on on Grab itself, but also the work of, of your team in people operations.
1: You know, this year, 2020 and COVID really caught many, many businesses off guard. We were obviously one of the businesses that didn't know this was going to happen, but we are very much part of it. When we look back right now, we feel that we're so lucky. So relatively, we are diversified across our business verticals and geographies. Whilst we're affected and hit in different times in different countries, and some of our business lines had been you know, greatly impacted. Think about right hailing. Uh, when everybody was locked down, nobody was taking a car to anywhere. But we had verticals that were growing. Where food, for example, Grab Food and Grab Mart became, you know, everyday necessities for many, many millions of people to get their supplies. So really, the what we saw was that the team doubled down very quickly to adjust to the new world, not just for Grab, but really for a way that we can help the broader. Community closer to home in the People Operations Team uh, or POPS uh, as we call ourselves POPS and POPsters, we became the core the the core function and the cross functional lead to coordinate across country heads, um, the security team, the facility team, um, IT to ensure that our grabbers and partners were as safe and as supported as possible. So when this year began, I really found myself. Dealing with, you know, facility changes, setting new policies and rules, you know, every hour, every day across our 14 locations. It was quite crazy. I remember also in our IT front, we had to take on such a huge step up as we ramp up the IT infrastructure capacity to about yeah. three to four times what was norm. So it was like making sure we had 15,000 concurrent connections uh, with no downtime. We really measured, you know, there was about 145,000 Zoom meetings going on just in the month of June. We 5x our our usage compared to what was the average uh, in 2019. We had to set up, you know, a thousand laptops in 10 days so that we can enable our staff to work from home. So it was it was a crazy time. But as yep. the time really wore on, things in a way got a little bit more stable, but the ambiguity increased because we really didn't know what was going to happen next. We started spending time more on important topics about how are taking care of their own well-being? How do we make sure that the social capital that we have is not eroded too quickly you know at first it was all about productivity but then it became purpose and sustainability and i i was honestly very worried about our own team the people operations and it team because they were facing such burnout taking care of of everybody so we even thought about okay how can we show thanks virtually but sincerely through this time
0: I mean, and what are some of the things you've done both for the the POPs team, as you call them, the the people operations team, but also grabbers themselves? How, How have you kept them engaged and connected during the crisis? And you're right we don't necessarily know what's going to happen next. And, and you know, we, the, the end of the story is still waiting to happen. So I'm just interested in some of the things that you've done to keep people engaged and connected.
1: So within the POPS team, again, we, we are separated uh, in 14 different countries and everybody is going through really, really difficult times. I remember, for example, when China uh, was the first country that was impacted and there were lockdowns within cities and stuff like that. We very quickly got them what they needed most, which was face masks. So we got the essentials for the team as quickly using you know our regional context and how do we you know find the right suppliers very, very quickly. Now at a grab level, obviously that is not always scalable. Centrally, what could we do? We we did a couple of things. At the beginning, we made sure that we got accurate information out to our people as soon as possible. And this email update basically evolved into what we call grabber care communications. So it was weekly to biweekly kind of uh, comms over email or a workplace post, for example. And we started with information, but then we ended up with sharing a lot of tips. Whether you are a single person, whether you are parents, we think about how do we share these tips on well-being with them as the situation wore on.
0: Which leads on nicely to, to the next question. I know when we met a couple of years ago when I came to see you guys in the, in the Grab office, you know, you're passionate about using data. What I'd be interested in as a head of HR... How does data support you in your role as head of HR in, in conversations with the business or in just doing some of the things that you've been talking about, really?
1: We are fortunate in that way where data is in our DNA. This is something that our leaders deal with every single day. And obviously, it is the most effective way to influence them, You know, giving them data, information and insights. We are trying to get to a state where we embed data and analytics across all the people decisions that we have to make within the company and use it in a complementary way with heart and with gut. Because I, I don't believe that data is the only way, but you have to use it and supplement your gut decisions, your gut calls, and also what you feel, right? So, so I think it's, it's a way to augment decision making. A few examples. We are really right at the beginning and as part of the routine business practices, we do a lot of descriptive and diagnostic analysis. Our workforce planning team within POPS guides decisions uh, around labour productivity, around staff cost budgeting across rep on a monthly basis. The team also used data to help us focus our attention on opportunities where we see increase in productivity is possible within certain teams. Our people and organizational development team are very careful and ensure that we are not unconsciously biased in our talent system. So what we yeah. do is that we analyze our performance management and promotion results, for example, and to see if we are truly gender neutral and to uncover any biases uh, by whether it's grade and team through that kind of analysis we do the same study around gender equity on, on compensation as well. Around diagnostics, our people analytics team, very, very young team working to provide self solved tools as well as more custom insights for the most urgent issues. This means um, providing tools to allow our business partners to look at the latest stats around headcount attrition, recruitment, as well as analyze the drivers of you know quality of hire or retention as we all strive to better attract, develop and motivate grabbers.
0: Obviously, historically, Grab's been an organization that's been growing quite quickly, so I guess that look around recruitment, onboarding is very, very important. You talked about, you know, you can't have bias in your hiring process because you're potentially, you know, within a year, 15, 20 percent of your workforce could have been hired yeah. in a inefficient way. And I understand that's why recruitment is so important to, to grab. So that's yeah. an area where you've invested a lot of time or with, with analytics so far.
1: We do quite a lot. Sometimes we are inhibited by the systems that we use. So I'm sure this is something that, you know, every HR practitioner who's trying to draw data uh, and it's whether it's a system or it could sometimes be the habit of putting in the right data so that it's captured and you don't get into a situation where it's rubbish in and rubbish out. I think recruitment is not just around the quantity of people we're bringing in at any single point in time. I think it has such an impact on culture because there are certain things that you can't change fast enough because culture erodes very, very quickly. When you have one or two negative examples that is spreading you know, the wrong kind of behaviours within the organisation. So therefore, actually, the culture part in recruiting, the way we recruit is one of the key points that defines your culture. What you recruit is a key point or what becomes eventually your culture. So I think that's just not around the numbers. I think it's about who you bring in and the quality you bring in.
0: And you mentioned in your introduction that you have a background in sales and marketing. And I know that You've taken a lot of the, you've adapted quite a lot of the models and technology that you've used in the business. So maybe you're looking at customers to look at the voice of the customer for grabbers, for example. And so be interested in hearing a little bit more about that.
1: Two backgrounds, right? So as a person who used to do sales and marketing, you get into a lot of customer CRM kind of tools that has a lot of dashboards. You know, Salesforce is one of them and there are many. The other thing is that I've worked for a company called Hyperion, which again is business intelligence. So it's more a financial update, not so much a customer update, but a financial update and dashboards so that business leaders uh, can drive their business with better insights. So that's the whole concept that we're trying to build within, within HR as well, right? So so on that dashboard front, we are building all these self-soil tools and these dashboards, so that eventually every single people manager would be able to own and understand their people data, and also be less reliant on the on the POPS team. So I think that's one thing that we are driving towards, and hopefully we can also then build in. AI where we can show, you know, indicators in order to be more prescriptive on what's going to happen and helping leaders know what steps or what things or actions they need to take post understanding the data. So on the analytics front, we've been trying to listen more uh, in a dynamic way to our grabbers. So in order to do that, we borrowed a tool from our data analytics team. From Grab, And what they did is they built this tool to sort out the millions of commentaries around our app, around services that our users share with us on the different channels, social channels. And the tool helps us understand the top positive and negative themes that our customer care about. So when I hear about that tool, I go like, okay, there are also millions of commentaries that our people are sharing, you know, and and sometimes that those informal sharing is very, very important, but how do we aggregate it and try to understand it in a meaningful and fast manner? So that's where we are working with the team to adapt this tool in order to use grabber data in ethical manner, in a proper manner, so that we know how people are feeling at, at any uh, given moment. That is really, honestly, still work in progress, but we're trying to make sure that the machine actually learns the voices of our grabbers.
0: And I suppose what that could eventually help you to do, and I guess it's probably something you probably thought about, is be able to look at the voice of the customer, be able to look at the voice of the grabbers and understand how those two affect each other.
1: Yes, that would be the next step. That would be an amazing step because you would think about from a country perspective, you could really probably see very different relationships or maybe, uh, you know, somehow they correlate with each other. And I think that that would be... uh thing to uncover.
0: One of the challenges, I guess, for for HR teams that we speak to around the world is, you know, people analytics is is still relatively new for a lot of HR professionals, and it's not something they've necessarily learned when they've done their formal qualifications to get into HR. I was wondering about how you go about infusing the people operations team at Grab with the skills that they need to be more data-driven and have those conversations with the business.
1: I think we need to embrace why people join the people team and then grow them. And so the way I would share with the team is to say that it takes the head, the heart, and the guts to be able to run a successful team that actually brings lots of value to the business. And most HR people have great heart, and that's why they chose this. They have true experience, a lot of gut. So the gut feel, because they've seen pattern. It's not a coded pattern recognition that people who have experienced life experience and see those patterns of human behavior so that's got which they have and i said okay then now how do we bring the head part in because it is a combination of the three that is the most powerful so starting with our hrbps for example getting them to first understand how to deal with the back the, 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 the dashboards what can they tell? Why are they built this way um we 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 went through a a series of focus groups to try to understand, and we realized that the foundational step we need to build is actually vocabulary because attrition to one person, voluntary and voluntary so and so forth, would mean very different thing to somebody else. And so the very first thing is, whilst we build all the tools, we have to talk about vocab and have a coherent set of matrix so that we have a standardized way of understanding the information and to be able to use it in a similar fashion. So I think vocab is uh, very important. So post-setting the vocab, we started to familiarize the team with the various tools, as I described above, whether it's a dashboard, whether it's about labor costs and planning, whether it's about hiring, whether it's about quality of hire. But the good news is that, honestly, our teams are very eager to learn, and they're quick to get used to the tools. And they often pull the central teams who usually own the tools and they pull the central teams together and discuss on try- how to get better and better data and how to be more and more in- independent with the data. So we've seen that. We also bring in industry experts like yourself, right, to really share and inspire the latest thinkings around people analytics and AI and machine learning so they can see that future of HR and where they want to get to. They can visualize what is it for and what does it look like. And so we do that. And the last thing, obviously, we we have learning and development offerings to our own teams so that we keep up with the latest thinking and, and, and trends. I think the final step for me is that it is right to to draw insights from data to make the right decisions. But that's both an art and a science. To have the data is one thing. To draw insights to make the right decisions is another. So the value of people analytics is actually where it intersects with financial analysis. And that step of being a true business leader is that we also then need to help our folks understand business measures, business metrics, at the same time to better to do the best outcome, uh, to get the best outcome. So that's an area where we also want to continue to develop our team. And I just still want to emphasize do not just rely on data. Jeff Bezos, uh, in a rather famous interview with CNBC, I think, shared that all the data, all the spreadsheets indicated that Amazon Prime would have been the loss-making business and that it would have never been launched if we depend on data and spreadsheets. But he went with his gut and so data is not everything, so use it wisely.
0: Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think data can help us make our judgment better but it shouldn't be yeah. completely in place, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, we have talked a lot about, about COVID nineteen, and you know, a lot of people are saying how it's acted as an accelerant to digital transformation. I think there was a quote out there from from Satya Nadella from Microsoft that said we've just done two years of digital transformation in two months. I think we're all probably experiencing that. Those of us, uh, those listening to to the show. So, what has been the impact? On the skills at Grab, and what has been the response to the people our operations team? Have you seen a demand for certain skills, or that, how are you adjusting to that from a learning perspective?
1: We have embarked on this future of work study ourselves, uh, and try to make it relevant within Grab. And we we have identified, you know, a set of skills that we believe at least Grabbers need to up skill in I, I wouldn't say that this is you know skills that everybody needs to know but we found it relevant to our teams so horizontal across functions and business because of disruption and because of ambiguity the generalist is the guy who's going to win the race uh, and and we hire a lot of very skilled generalists from the top-notch management consulting firms of the world. And what we see these generalists being able to pivot, being able to do is that they have that amazing, obviously, digital literacy around virtual communication, you know, data-anchored mindsets. They know how to virtually collaborate with people that they have never ever met before, but being able to, you know, get get a team running really quickly. And some of the basics on how to work with AI and machine learning. So, so these are some of those generalist skills that I think Uh, will be very important. I do feel that the way to win the future is to be supremely multi-skilled, not one. The second thing around, you know, essential skills, um, the idea around um, the agility on how to you flex your workforce is not just your personal agility, it's how to embed agility within your teams. What is true customer centricity? A lot of empathy is within customer centricity. And I think because the world is waking up to a lot of problems around ethics as well. I think, you know, having a proper ethical mindset is also going to be very, very important. So I think those are, you know, some sets of skills that we're starting to see being very important in the coming months and years. When we come to learning, we also found that we should micro-everything. And what does that mean, right? So, so for example, micro-steps in behavioural change, really just making it very, very small. Tell yourself, if you've never exercised, Trying to go to the gym for an hour every day is really very hard to, to get anybody to yeah, do. Yeah. Why don't we start with five minutes, three minutes, five push-ups a day. That's good enough. And pat yourself on the back. So micro steps in behavioral change. Micro learning so that it is really just in time and that people can use whatever they've learned immediately. Micro-coaching, so that everybody can care coach and not only executives get executive coaches. So how do you cut things into smaller chunks? Because it lowers the barrier to entry, it lowers the barrier to growth, and and that it becomes much more effective. That's just one thing that we are experimenting more in. The second thing uh, we are really looking at is obviously trying to digitalize our own learning platform because we are really quite manual at this point in time. I do see the benefits of really just being able to capture a lot more data when you have the right platform that tracks the right things. So be very, very clear what you want to track when you select the platform that you are looking for. It shouldn't be just an operational tool.
0: Yeah, it's got to be the user experience, you know, and it's got to make people want to use it, I guess. You know, it's different from maybe some of the HR technologies that we've had in the past. I love that stuff about micro learning. It's certainly something that we built into our platform. You've talked a little bit about how technology is kind of helping the POPs team, people operations team at Grab. I think we talked about the bot that you've got on Slack to try and connect different people together in the organization. What other uses of technology have you got? And of the way, I mean, I'm particularly interested here, of course, because you've got that overview of of people and technology? Um, What are some of the other ways that technology is helping the team at Grab?
1: Let me share that we need to be very clear. What is the vision of of rolling out technology within a company? Or or why are you doing it? You shouldn't be doing it because you want to just follow everybody else, right? Or it sounds like the right thing to do. So for us, our approach is really quite simple. How can we make work simpler whilst increasing productivity for every individual. That's how we try to be able to scale the company by simplifying. So let me give uh, maybe two to three examples on how do we use technology to be able to achieve that. Our talent acquisition team, like you, you highlighted, right. we use really a whole variety of systems to build the pipeline. And it's not just about LinkedIn, trust me. Though LinkedIn is, is a great platform, but there's a lot of other tools that we use to build the right pipeline, how do we do uh, recruitment marketing in a personalized manner? And recruitment marketing, again, is not about writing an email. Every single recruiter needs to write an email to somebody they found in LinkedIn, right? But I think it's about talent communities, recruit, doing marketing within your talent communities, back to the right segment of people at the right time. And we also, you know, use technology to onboard our grabbers so that engagement starts way, way, way before the first day. And there are many, many solutions out there that could really help. The second thing we're doing is we're building, you know, middlewares between systems so that a lot of people-related actions can be completed uh, via Slack, for example, because we're on Slack, and that people don't have to log on to the different apps that you have all the way from approving expenses to launching a Zoom call. You don't have to open uh, multiple clicks in order to launch a Zoom call. Everything can be done, or many things can be done through Slack. So how do we do that? So I think middleware, find the kind of middleware that helps you bridge within your ecosystem of apps that you use. And in terms of engagement, we use workplace to conduct town halls because interactions are highly encouraged, especially when we are working so virtually. So, you know, people are chatting as the town hall is going on and, and these are thousands and thousands of people and people can like people's comments and come and, and start a thread and so on and so forth. And this is really a way that really helps us operationalize a lot of our programs and initiatives effectively. We are lucky, really. We, we have very tech minded leaders and because everything takes resources in terms of money to deploy. And and we're really lucky that we have been such forward thinking leaders within within WEP.
0: As someone who oversees HR and IT for certainly for employees, what what advice would you give to other HR leaders about implementing technology and and people analytics in their companies?
1: I just want to first give confidence to HR leaders to not worry about not understanding technology. I've got a great team. Honestly, I lead the IT function, but the leaders within the team are really the the, the people who are defining what's the roadmap. I come in as an executive sponsor most of the time and try to get them to think how would someone experience that change in technology? You know, whether it is around two-factor access, you know, whether it's about making our mobile, corporate mobile phones more... I said, okay, that sounds like the right tool, but tell me how someone experienced that change or experienced...
0: So uh, putting the user, think about, put the user at the centre of your thinking, really.
1: Exactly, exactly. You put it very elegantly. And so no matter what, just start small, accept that there will be changes along the way. Uh, there, there are often grand visions of, oh, everything will work perfectly. There are silver bullets involved in terms of systems and teams. The truth is that, honestly, tech and analytics can often be messy. Data can be super messy. And solutions are definitely not going to solve everything in your life, right? But yeah. you know, focus on getting some things done. And then improving it along the way. So, for example, in analytics, well, analytics we learn to build the basics and foundations. You know, and, and we're starting, for example, on our people data warehouse while solving reporting needs through you know, tools and developing test cases at the same time. None of the efforts are perfect. The team is really, really small. Sometimes they have failed. But, you know, we keep pushing at all fronts at the same time, knowing that we need all Systems in place, we need porting to be in place, we need a warehouse to be in place, we need to solve the, for the right things so that we really deliver the value. Second thing, really, is to find the people who are good bridges between tech and business and tech and people. Where yeah. in the tech world, you have product managers, find the right folks. They may not be in traditional HR roles right now, but bring them into the team so that they become the effective translators of the needs from the tech side and the business side or the people side and that it becomes much more seamless because if left on their own devices, tech folks will only talk tech and people folks will only talk people. And so find the bridges because the bridges are very important. And the last thing for me is that so many of us are on the same path. We've met people like yourself who is very willing to share. So seek for support. There's nothing embarrassing about it because trust me, when you take off the leap, every 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 organization has has messy problems to solve.
0: Yeah, I would agree definitely agree with that. Um some some are more messy than others, it has to be said. But okay, so yeah, I think there's some great advice there, and obviously Coming, last couple of questions now. I think one one really is to look at, let's look at the HR field. So if we look towards the future, you know, what gives you the most confidence about the HR profession in its ability to deliver value? And then what gives you the most concern?
1: For me, what is giving me the most confidence on the future role of HR is that the higher order needs and mandate is getting clearer and clearer to the HR community. That is. You know, the needs you previously articulated was, we need to get people paid. We need to find a system where people can work smoothly. I think more and more leaders know that a lot of issues starts with people issues and that the need of the hour is very, very clear. So, so the need is getting articulated, and the confidence is for me is that more and more HR professionals are not running away from taking up that challenge, but are stepping up to the plate and say, "I will learn data in order to meet those needs." And to me, it's like second spring to our industry, where more and more people are, are finding that the opportunity is is exciting enough for them to to spend tons and tons of their blood and tears on. I think the good thing is that the business leaders understand the importance of technology for people work to be done well as well. And therefore, they're very ready to invest uh, in in, in tech. It's just that we need to show and market and communicate um, the business cases, for example, right, in a way that they can accept. So I think that's why many of us call this the golden age of HR. I truly think that let's let's seize the opportunity and, and do that. Biggest concerns, right? We are equally, I think, as we feel the energy to step up, I think we are equally sometimes limited by how we define ourselves. What is the role of HR? What is the product that we produce? So whether the finance team probably are very clear what their products are, the legal team probably are very clear about what their products are, I just hope that, you know, the HR team doesn't say, oh, our product is the engagement score of the company. That cannot be our product. So we need to think broader on how to solve complex people issues without being bounded by traditional team setups around whether it's HR facilities, IT, corporate, you know, security, internal comms. But we need to be customer and product centric so that we step up and we pull all these skills together in order to tackle the people agenda. We get siloed within our minds and say, oh, you know, we can't be doing this because internal comms uh, is better at it. No, we, we need to be much better at communicating and marketing a lot of the things that we do so i think the concern is about us not spending enough time defining our identity and our product
0: yeah i think what you're saying is actually there is an opportunity but we probably need to take more of an outside-in approach than we've taken in the past and it sounds like you know think about it you know think about users think about the business think about customers and customers being end customers, but also customers being employees as well. I think we're at an interesting moment for all of us you know, around the world with with the crisis. And this is a question that we're going to be asking all our guests on this series in the show, um, thinking about this shift towards virtual working. what What can HR leaders do to prepare their organisations for a future where we will likely see more virtual or hybrid working? And you're probably already doing some of this already, but but just thinking, this is this something that's going to be with us for some time.
1: We often talk about leadership by walking around the office, we talk about having our years on the ground. Well, this remote and hybrid working, you'll find that walking the office will not give you the full reality. Your years on the ground probably can't hear as well or as accurately or anymore because people are not congregating together as much. So for me, HR leaders need to find a way to get the pulse, the sentiment, and basically listen. How do we listen in a remote and hybrid working manner? I think that's that's one of the very very important thing the other thing I think is balance we see that remote working has its impact where people do not know how to switch off they find themselves working longer hours and they find themselves having to do triple the times of meetings in order to align and collaborate with people you can't just rock up to someone and say hey you know what do we do how do you do that and you need to set up meetings and then you need to set up meetings oh Oh, that's a good idea. I need to talk to the other person about this idea. Then you have to set up another meeting. So that balance of all these meetings versus deep work versus well-being and mental well-being. I think it's something around that is important and emerging that we need to work on. For me, the final thing really is about social capital and culture. In a virtual world, and we just did an experiment, we did a workshop around pride and purpose, and we had an in-person version in one country where people could still come together. And then we had a virtual version, very similar type of work, but the MPS score of the two sessions were different. They were both extremely good, 90% or more. But there is a marked difference between that that, that thing. In the new world of, you know, Pokemon Go and Animal Crossing, in that world, how do you think about having virtual employees? So whether it's an avatar, whether you have a enterprise version of Animal Crossing where people can batch other people, thank other people in that virtual world. And how do you think AI can help? in doubling people's perspective if in fact there are two people working at the same time. There's my physical self and my virtual self could be going around the systems or the knowledge systems within Grab and pulling insights that's relevant to me without me having to read that 50 documents that's out there in the world. Also the emerging idea of a virtual worker that is an extension of the physical worker is okay this is chinin crazy thinking but I think it's a very interesting and and highly i don't know a, 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 something that really increases productivity it has great impact if you can make a different version of yourself the virtual version yeah. of yourself productive at the same time while you're working.
0: So I'm gonna ask you a question about Gravosaurus, which is behind you. So
1: Gravosaurus is, is not my virtual self. It's something that you know in the tech world, after working for five years in that company, you really feel like a dinosaur because you grow so fast, you grow through you go through so many things. It's almost as if you have gone through centuries. Not just decades, not just years, but centuries at a company. And so this is a long service status that we give to grabbers who have achieved you know uh, five years or more living grab
0: well many people have said that i'm a dinosaur as well so uh fantastic i, I really look forward to, hopefully next time i'm in singapore Union, we can we can meet up again but lastly thank you for being a guest on the show um can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you or follow you on social media
1: yeah i'm uh, active on linkedin And LinkedIn is probably my most professional self. I'm not on Twitter. Honestly, if anybody is on Slack, you can also Slack me in per company. And the last way is create the enterprise system or the enterprise version of Animal Crossing and I'll yep. be the first one to sign up. And you'll see my little avatar thank there God. trying to maybe do some Gantt charts or, you know, do a focus group uh, whilst my physical self is attending a podcast.
0: Perfect. We'll put your LinkedIn details in the publicity that we, we provide with this. And Chin Yin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for introducing me to Graphosaurus as well.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, David. And, and have a good day.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the My HR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR, and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the MyHR Future website. That's all for this episode, but please make sure you tune in next week, where we'll be speaking to Melissa Harper, Senior Vice President for HR at Bayer, where she is responsible for driving a high performance culture of innovation and inclusion and diversity. So don't miss that one. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.